Hello and welcome back to the Thundersticks Podcast. I am your host, Ben Kreider, and today I am going to be covering the OKC Blue season opener, the recap from that game, all the bright spots shown from the roster, as well as talking about the Thunder Denver Nuggets game upcoming. Also, just as an added bonus, I am even throwing in the G League preview for their second game of their back-to-back set. So, just getting right into things, talking about the OKC Blue. These guys have been constructing their roster all the way back since November, whenever they were signing Exhibit 10 deals for veterans in Chasson Randall, Antonius Cleveland, Melvin Frazier Jr. getting those rights, getting players via the G League draft in Xavier Simpson, as well as Rob Edwards. And then you got all the other guys sprinkled in who they've seen kind of shown on the roster. You got two-way players in Brown, Josh Hall, and then from the actual roster, Pokachevsky and Jerome is there as well. So there's a lot of great guys with the unit. And I mean, they've been clearly working at some sort of vision. They finally got to put it into fruition on Thursday. Had to play a really early game. I think tip-off was at 10.30. Luckily for me, I'm pretty much chilling at home, uh, at least on the weekdays. So I was able to watch it. I had to buy ESPN Plus as the game was kicking off. Completely forgot. Um, Obviously, I'm always talking about, like, you got to have ESPN Plus for things. It was just in the back of, like, it didn't come to my mind that I needed to uh, get it. I, f- I forgot that uh, I didn't have a subscription, so I had to get it, and then I was able to start watching the game, uh, like, just in time, so I was really happy about that one, and it was definitely worth the $6 I had to pay for the monthly subscription because they were able to annihilate the Salt Lake City Stars. That is Utah's G League affiliate. They wiped them out. 118 to 84 winning by 36 points are you kidding me and this game did not start out that way the first quarter was tied up at 23 to 23 they went on a 9-0 run to start out the contest and then they had antonius cleveland at the three just lighting it up from all over the floor he had 12 of the team's first 23 points in that quarter and he was connecting on pretty much every shot he was looking at I think he only had missed one time in the entire period but these stars were able to kind of recollect themselves in the final minutes they went on a run and to get it up to 23 23 Yogi Ferrell buried a bank shot at the buzzer very clutch from him Yogi Ferrell as I mentioned I'm very surprised that he even found himself in the G League. I thought he was great with the Kings as well as the Dallas Mavericks, but he's trying to make the most out of his time with Salt Lake City and looked like he was doing that in the first quarter. But the second quarter, I think that's kind of where you saw the blue kind of right away with the game because they showed the firepower they had in the first period, going on a big run. But unlike that first quarter, they kept it consistent, and they didn't let the Stars have any sort of comeback. Moses Brown started off the second, pretty much just looking at the basket, flipping shots up over and over. He's 7'2", 
the Stars did not have a big man to counter him. So he was doing whatever he wanted in the pick and rolls, layups. He had a thunderous two-handed slam to start the quarter off a pick and roll. That really set the tone for the quarter. And off of him, you had guys such as Chasson Randall piggybacking off of that. He shot five of five in the half, pretty much strictly off of fast breaks and penetrations. He is known kind of as like a playmaking one or two. He was all about driving in. He had a couple nice passes and reads when he drove in, but he was really just in attack mode, taking it into the defender's bodies and being able to lay shots up, kind of contested, and put it up nicely off of the glass. And then you had Antonius Cleveland. He wanted more in this second half. So what did he do? He scored seven points in the second quarter, getting his first half total to 19 points. And three of those seven points came at the buzzer. He matched Yogi Ferrell. He just pranced his way up the court. He kind of wiggled around like three defenders, able to get himself around the right wing, rises up for the shot, pops it. It's good to go. The Blue are up 15 by halftime. They're up 56 to 41. That was their largest lead to that point. And it just expanded going into that second half because they match their second quarter total of 34 points, dropping you know, pretty high numbers uh, in both of those. They were not able to miss really anything, and they found new options in the second half. It wasn't just the Antonius Cleveland show backed by Randall and Moses Brown. They wanted to look at other people. Melvin Frazier Jr., who I've hyped up so much. It's not even hype at this point. He's just strictly a beast. He kind of came into his own in the third, as well as second-round G League choice Rob Edwards. And Salt Lake City, they actually did a lot better when it came to playing on offense. They had their game high of 29 points in the third quarter, but they still got outscored by five points. So OKC, they were up 90-70 to going into the final quarter of the game. And the Stars, they just could not find any sort of comeback in them. The Blue, they were their usual selves. They were looking to just attack and get good looks. They built up a mountain of a lead. I think their high was either 36 or 38. But as you guys heard, they won by 36 points. That's a margin that the big boys, the Thunder, they have not had that kind of moment. I think their highest win so far this year has been 17. So, Pretty big statement win from the blue here. This is a huge margin that they took this one with. And sure, the Salt Lake City Stars, they actually lost their first matchup against the Erie Bayhawks. So they're 0-2 now. But, I mean, at least with the Bayhawks, they had a little bit of giving them. These guys, they just, they just got outplayed everywhere on the floor. And they took it behind, enforcing major limitations on Salt Lake City as well as dominating in moving the basketball. These stars, they pretty much got ratted out in the early parts of the game. They had their chances in the first quarter, but as soon as that second quarter, quarter hit, it was all over for them. They finished the game shooting just 31% from the field. That is atrocious. If you're accounting twos and threes, that is garbage. 
is kind of passable from downtown, but there's no way you can shoot 31% from the field goal just in general and win a basketball game. So nothing was going for them anywhere. And even more so, when you focus it down to the three, they shot just 24%. And it wasn't like one of these things where they knew they were struggling. So they're like, oh, let's ease it back. Let's work on the inside game. They shot more three-pointers than the Thunder did. They went 9 of 38 from outside. And the reason why they had to do this was because the inside lane was just shut off. There were no freebies given. They had to kind of resort to a half-court do-it-yourself offense there was no sort of passes, so it was kind of just watching a YMCA practice where you see someone walk up, chuck up a shot, go back down the other floor. That's really what it came down to, and they were doing a terrible job playing shoot around, and it bit them in the behind. And for that entire game, they only had 12 assists for the game. Complete opposite can be said for the blue. In the first period, they put all their marbles in the basket of Antonius Cleveland. Luckily, it paid off because he was playing so well, but you need to look at other options, you know, clearly because Cleveland can't play a full 48 minutes, and consistency may be an issue. So you look at other pieces, and how do you do that? You get others open looks, and they want to get open looks off of the pass. They had just five field goals that came assisted in the first quarter. They wanted a lot more than that. So in quarters two through four, that's what every single play was pretty much coming off of. They were making pass after pass. The Salt Lake City Stars, they were just flustered, man. And that's what led to wide open takes and easy buckets for the team. They had 27 assists by the end of the game. And in total, they ended up connecting on 41 shots on the game. So the majority of their points were just coming off of assists. Actually, 66% to be precise, 66% of their field goals came assisted. That stat is absolutely wacky, man. So it was all about helping each other out. And because they were spreading the love so much, there were five players in double figures. And you start with Antonius Cleveland. Killer first half. Kind of slowed it down in the second, but he was still there. He had 25 points off 10 of 16 shooting. And he got the double-double with 11 rebounds. He also cannot sleep on his passing game because he had five assists attached to his name. He was able to create at all three levels. Clearly the man who started it all for the team. If he didn't get hot in the first, probably would have been a completely different ball game. He went into his own though. Helped out the rest of the squad because with all the attention on Cleveland, that's how you're able to see other players kind of break out of their shell. And that's exactly what happened. So all the praise should go to Antonius Cleveland. He is on a mission right now to make it back to the NBA. I believe at this point he is 27 or 28 years old. So he's a vet. Putting up solid numbers like this, you know, it should get you some sort of interest from maybe a playoff contending team needing a shooter. So good on him. The second leading scorer for the team came from the G League's second round pick, Rob Edwards. 
The blue, they only had two selections in the last draft. Took Xavier Simpson, as I mentioned. And then they snagged Rob Edwards. They were pretty much in the back of the second. So Edwards, he was pretty slept on. They ended up picking him up, and he looked like a beast in this game. He ended up hitting 21 points in just 22 minutes coming off the bench. Absolute shocker there. And he was very efficient on his shots. He shot 6 of 13 and was a marksman from downtown. He shot 4 of 7 from beyond the arc. And to go along with that, he even scrapped together 2 boards and an assist. Same thing as Cleveland. He was looking to create shots everywhere he could. Started from downtown. Once he connected on a couple threes, that's when he found himself at his best when he was driving in side next dude you got to mention though it's got to be Jason Randall exhibit 10 contract comes in drops 18 points on seven of eight shooting did a perfect job playing in the penetration game and was able to post two assists off of making passes he didn't have to rely on three-point shooting and at times he can go to the three he ended up shooting two of three from there but it's not something that he had to lean on necessarily. Inside is where he found his home. And once they started locking up on that, he got it from downtown. And it was just infectious. I mean, I didn't mention this, but the thun- the blue, I don't know why I'm saying thunder. I mean, the affiliate, um, they shot 38% from outside. So they did a pretty solid job there. And it started with players such as Jason Randall. I think one outlier with that though, it's Moses Brown. He's a center. He really was not shooting from outside. Still had a great game though. He racked up a double-double with 15 points on 5 of 10 shooting and 17 rebounds. Putting up Andre Drummond level numbers in the season debut with the blue. Being super tall. Has a lot of advantages, especially in a league such as the G League. I mean, we saw Dakari Johnson. He looks like the reincarnation of Shaquille O'Neal when he played for the Blue. Ended up not working in the NBA. I think he's like overplaying in Guang, like with the Guangdong Tigers or something. I don't know. I, I don't think he's playing um, in the NBA though or the G League. I may be wrong, but I think he's playing overseas, dominating. He just wasn't able to adapt to the NBA level of play. Moses Brown, I thought he looked solid in his sparse amount of minutes with the Thunder. He's dropping like three points and two boards in four minutes. So could have used him later, you know, whenever we were kind of short on guys. Looks like he's going to be developing pretty well with the blue, though. Being so tall should help you out a lot in the pick and roll just absolutely dominant he's only 245 pounds and looking at him it may not even look like he reaches that so maybe he can build up some muscle with the blue and become a real threat in the pick and roll with the team because he's he has a great touch around the basket he's a good rebounder has some jump in his step so he's able to sky up if he needs to to corral the boards I think the main thing though is just strength and conditioning if he's able to get up with like 10 15 more pounds of muscle and take hits in contact from typical centers in the league you could have a real gym and moses brown and another guy i think could be a gym it's melvin frazier jr one of my first 
podcast actually before I did this like daily it, it was talking about Melvin Frazier and why I thought he was an absolute gym now at the time I recorded this I truthfully believed Melvin Frazier was one of the players in the 15 man roster with the squad I think he got signed on an exhibit 10 immediately after Antonius Cleveland but the Thunder didn't announce that they just announced they signed him and they released him in a span of like 48 hours so I was flipping out in that time I kind of just quickly wrote up a, a podcast about him. I already knew a lot about the guy. I love his game. And, you know, if you weren't able to catch the game, I highly suggest you look back at it. He has about everything you want as a Thunder fan. Really helpful uh, defensively. I think offensively, it took him a little bit to shift into gears. He had a pretty slippery first half, but able to pick himself up in the second half. He ended up getting 13 points on 5 of 8 shooting, 6 rebounds, and 3 assists in 27 minutes. He was a guy who I saw as a catch-and-shoot player, kind of sitting corner the entirety of the first half, and I was tearing my hair out damn near because I want to see Frazier just be the, the star of the show, to be quite honest with you. I think he could be playing in the NBA. I don't know. He just got dealt some interesting cards with Orlando but he's in a situation now I think he'd be great just attacking and being the number one guy but he did a he did a nice job playing passenger seat just chilling out there waiting for his moments he finally was getting the ball dialed up to him in the corners and he was hitting his shots getting those three triples to go and he even got inside later on he had a perfect Euro step layup when driving inside and I think he had the play of the game now I talked about Moses Brown's ferocious two-handed jam but what about Melvin Frazier's dump off pass to Randall he goes in from the top of the key has to go through the first layer of defense what does he do he pulls a beautiful behind the back freezes the first man up but he's got another man to go through to get inside and he's about on the left I'd probably say like the left block at the moment kind of just maybe like 10 feet around the basket um left side of the paint and he has his defender just a bit to his right so what does he do he puts a beautiful spin move on just completely jukes the second line of defense out and that leaves Chasson Randall right under the basket for a quick two points beautiful from him i'm gonna be quite honest with you i knew his playmaking was underrated but my goodness that kind of play that was the best pass of the entire game and there were some beautiful alley-oops thrown i'm still putting this pass above all of them just the build up to it was perfect you know the finish sure we could have seen like a cool dunk or something but it don't matter he got the two points i am happy with that so great stuff with him and even their first round pick in xavier simpson did a solid job he only had six points but he is more of a passing player with the team he got drafted out of michigan he wanted to pass the ball that he did he led the game with nine assists for the contest I think some of the main players that fans are going to be focused on will be that of Alexei Pogachevsky and Ty Jerome. I totally get it because they are part of the 15-man rotation, 
And I'm not, you know, I'm not going to skim over them. But I do want to say, though, I mean, all these really solid players on the G League team, they need to be given credit. They can hoop. And I, I wouldn't be shocked if a couple of these guys made it onto NBA rosters, whether it be with the Thunder or another organization. But with Pokachevsky and Jerome, they, they had their moments in the game. Definitely was not their strongest performance, they could say. They have had Pokachevsky. He shot 2 of 10 on the game. Looks like he was maybe trying to press the issue a bit when it came to scoring the ball. I mean, he instantly gets it. And he looks at the rim and lets it fly. And it looks super smooth when it gets into the bottom of the basket. But when it does not, it's a little bit painful. Shooting 10 shots on, I mean, looks that were all right. I think he may have found himself in better situations, though. It's not great. I, I think he needs to build off of this, though. And it's something that Poku has kind of dealt with. Just kind of the highs and lows. Gonna have to build himself back. One of three from downtown. Working just pretty much entirely off of mid-ranges. Whenever he did step out to three. You know, it is it, it was what it was. He had nine rebounds attached to his name, though. So, good for him. We've always seen him as a great rebounder. I think a lot of people were wondering how he was going to do in the offense. Had a lot more time handling the ball. He had three turnovers, though. You know, he's just going to have to be kind of just developed with the with the team over the course of this month that's something that i stressed in the game preview and it's something that is going to stay strong throughout his tenure with the blue in orlando and same goes with ty jerome battling with you know some crazy left ankle injury i would not want to see the x-rays on that thing he only had four points in the game and it was off of just one of three shooting. In his defense, though, he only played eight minutes, so not a huge sample size. Pokachevsky, he played 23, just for a bit of comparison here. Jerome, very slow point guard. I think Randall, you can clearly tell with Randall, he could fit in right now with the Thunder, and the pace of the game would not be changed one bit. Slides right in with SGA and Maladone. Jerome, not so much. I think he's kind of more of like a, an old-school guy trying to slow things down, break down plays, and it was evident. His two triples that he misfired on, pretty much he just walked up and shot them. There wasn't any like screens or ball handling to them. Just wanted to try to get a couple points up quick. Didn't end up finding the basket, but he did look decent when it came to playing defense. He ended up having a steal as well as a deflection in, in those eight minutes, and I will say it was a bright spot there. So it's something to build off with him. Only playing eight minutes. You can't really assess him that much. Same with Pokachevsky. Just one game. I think you can build off it and hope for the best in their next game. Josh Hall is going to be a person people may be asking about. Like, why didn't I say Josh Hall? He actually didn't even play. And there was no clarification as to why he didn't participate. We'll see if he plays this morning. Uh, yeah, I guess it'll be this morning now. I, I we'll see if he plays in the second game of the back-to-back. -back. If not, you should probably expect to hear something from the OKC Blue staff. But the Blue, they are not done. As I mentioned, they got a game going on at 2 p.m. Central Standard Time 
against the highly touted G League Ignite team. The Thunder will be pinning parts of their future and players wanting to build a future against players claimed the future. You're going to see Jalen Green and Jonathan Kuminga, both players that are expected to be drafted in the top 10 of this upcoming draft, as well as other nice additions to the team in players such as Deshaun Nix, who is expected to go in this first round. Not to mention, they have some pretty quality vets in Jarrett Jack and Amir Johnson. Jarrett Jack actually went off for 19 points in the Ignite's first game of the season. So this is going to be a true contest, kind of assessing where the team is now. So this is going to be a nice contest, kind of being able to evaluate where some of the players are now. I would not be surprised if everyone on the roster in the game is just going to be trying to shoot, 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 because this is the Kodak moment of the year for this team. This is going to be on ESPNU. Typically, you're going to see the blue games on ESPN Plus as well as Twitch. You got the ESPNU game sprinkled in right here. So it's not national television, but you're definitely going to get probably a bit more ratings and maybe some more attention. This is going to be a bigger spotlight for them than a usual G League game would be. Uh, it sucks because I think the G League's awesome, but that's just how it is. I mean, Jalen Green and Jonathan Kaminga, they're, they're going to get a bit more attention to their games. That's just the state of how how basketball works. Um, but yeah, so they're going to be able to go up against each other. I'm really excited to see how some of our guys play. I mean, Alexei Pogachevsky, he's hardly younger than Jalen Green is, so practically, he could be on that team right now. Uh, we'll see how he does. I think Melvin Frazier Jr., that's my guy. I mean, I am a huge fan of his, and I know he's not even, like, long-term going to be with the Thunder, most likely, but I just want to see him do well. He has done so much in his career, and he's looked so good. Just never really had the chance to break out in the national scene ever since he was drafted. This could be his game. I want to see him do well, and same goes for all the other guys, because I mean, hell, you had five guys scoring in double figures, but I can assure you, Pokichevsky and Jerome, they can go off for 10-plus. Same can be said with Xavier Simpson. Same can be said with Josh Hall if he plays. Variety of options. I think this is going to be a tough contest for the Ignite. I'm just going to be frank with you. I think the Thunder, the Thunder's affiliate in the blue, they have some real talent here, and this is going to be the game for them to show off. So you need to make sure to watch this ESPNU game. Bare minimum, watch the highlights. This is probably going to be the most fun game of the season for them. Not trying to speak too soon though, because this could be one hell of a team that we are looking at in Orlando. The second thing that I wanted to talk about in today's podcast has to do with the Thunder. Yeah, shocker. Thunder, they're going to be playing tonight against the Denver Nuggets, going down at 8 p.m. Central Standard Time. Thunder are walking into this one with a 10-14 record, while the Nuggets are sitting at 13-11. They are hoping to tie up the Portland Trailblazers in the Northwest Division standings. The Trailblazers are 14-10. They're banking on a loss there. If they can get the W, you got to tie 
at the number two spot. So that's what's at stake for them. Obviously, the season is kind of just now developing, so the stakes may not be as high, but it's something to look at. As you guys probably recall, Thunder played the Nuggets earlier on in the season, and it did not go the Thunder's way. The Nuggets were able to defeat them by 18. They won 119 to 101. And this was in one of those games where Al Horford was absent. This is when Roby had to start for the squad. Did all right. He had 10 points and 9 rebounds. But the issue was Nikola Jokic did just a little bit better. He had 27 points, 12 rebounds, and 6 assists in 28 minutes of play. So Al Horford will need to stop the Joker if the Thunder want to take this one away from the Nuggets. They're going to be out of SGA and Maladone in this game, however. So they do have a little bit of a setback there. And by a little, I mean kind of a big one. You're going to be seeing more of Point Diallo. And Roby's out too. So you're going to see more of other players such as Justin Jackson and Kendrick Williams trying to rise up to the occasion. And this will be interesting to see how they go. See if the consistency really lasts with Point Diallo had that 10 assist game and then kind of just plopped down a bit. Still has looked like a straight up baller because he is. But now we'll see him going up against Jamal Murray at the one. So not just testing his offense a game, but also how he plays on defense. Luckily for the Thunder, the Nuggets are out of two very solid players in PJ Dozier and Gary Harris. So you kind of knock down the guard play on both sides. Clearly, the Thunder have it just a little bit worse, though. So, they're going to need production from all their usuals. Once again, looking at a strained roster, when you're looking at an eight-man team, it's all about spreading the love. You can't just put all your hope into one player and hope, like, the game works out. No, there's going to need, there's going to be a lot of people needing to score in double digits if they want to pull this game away. Kendrick Williams, beautiful in the last game against the LA Lakers, ending up dropping a career high of 24. Can he follow that up against likely Will Barton? Uh, I think that would be his matchup. You never know. I mean, he was dominant on defense. They're going to need to stop the Denver Nuggets, specifically in the paint with Millsap and Jokic. Williams, he can provide that extra help inside and even help out on the outside. So, I think he'd be great to just have in as a starter anyways. Like, even if there wasn't an SGA or Maladone injury, you could plug him in at the two, and he'd be doing great for you. So put him in there, see how it goes. Same with Dort. Ended up having a really strong finish to the last game against the LA Lakers. Can he continue that? He struggled from three, shooting 0-5, and he's kind of struggled like the past week. Maybe he can come into his own and turn up and be a major piece. But how about Al Horford? Not only needing to play defense on Jokic, but also needing to likely be a primary scorer. He had a team high of 25 in the last game against the Lakers, and he was doing it however he wanted. Jokic is much different than Marcus Gasol, however, so some of the shenanigans Horford was pulling out of his hat likely are not going to be working out. I mean, Jokic... He's the magician. He's got a lot more tricks up his sleeve than Horford does. So Horford trying to go post up, do some post fadeaways and some hook shots. 
may not do the trick. He needs to get it from outside if he wants to have the production, and that leaves players such as Diallo needing to slash inside to the basket. But how about Darius Baisley? Struggled in the last game, shooting 4 of 15. He's going to need to improve for a W here, and just up and downs with him, he's going to need to be a ball handler. That's just how it is. I think he takes the role well, but sometimes he kind of just loses his train of thought of things. Like, I feel like he doesn't play like his usual self. If he's playing like his usual self, there's going to be no problem there. So I'm not going to be instantly worried after one poor performance from him. And then off the bench, you got Darius Miller, Justin Jackson, and Mike Muscala. They're going to need to hit a lot of threes. Justin Jackson's look good. Darius Miller, he looked great. In the last game, going 2 of 3 from outside. And Muscala, he went 0 of 5 from 3. We're not used to seeing that from the Moose. So, could he go for another night where he's dropping 22 points in the first half? Uh, you don't want to rule it completely out because that's just how Muscala has been. He's so on and off. And when he's on, he's really on. A big performance from him could really put the thunder on the high side in the game so there's a lot of stuff to take into account for this 8 p.m matchup i'm gonna make sure to get you all a recap of that game and i may just talk about the blue again in tomorrow's episode but other than that guys that is going to wrap up today's podcast i thank you all for listening and i will talk to you all next time see ya